Praise the Lord. If you're visiting with us, we're glad that you're with us. There's no way I can recapture the fact that we've been preaching from the book of Hebrews, completely everything. We're in chapter 10. I'm going to preach from chapter 10 this morning. Some of you are already reading into chapter 11. So if you're visiting with us, if you'll get your Bible there in a few and read the first 10 chapters real quick before I start preaching. But you'll know that part of the reason the choir and the selection about the blood, you know, we've just been reading about that Jesus' blood was shed for us, that all the blood of goats and calves and sheep couldn't save anybody. There had to be a Redeemer. We know that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So beautiful song, a reminder of those words I've been reading. I've been reading about the covenant that He has fulfilled it. And one of the warnings that I'll read here in just a moment is do not take the blood of the covenant for granted as a common thing, it says. Uh, the sermon this morning is titled, This is a Warning. And so, as we have been reading along, all of a sudden here in chapter 10, this was a devotion that I wrote on Wednesday, and I had already decided to preach from it. But of all the good news that we've heard in Revelation, we get to this point, and there's this warning. And we're about to read, and some of you have already started reading in chapter 11, the Hall of Faith. So why this warning here? But yet, think about it in the Bible. So often God all of a sudden will jolt our attention and, and warn us, caution us about some things in our lives. So the sermon, as I studied the last couple of weeks, took a little different turn. I'm going to go down one path in particular about how we treat the Holy Spirit. And I hope all of that will make sense, and I'll try to tie all that together. This is a warning. Hebrews, the 10th chapter. Let's read verses 26 through 31. For if we sin willfully, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses of how much worse punishment do you suppose will be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? And I'm going to come back to verse 29. There are three things here. Who have trampled the Son of God underfoot, have counted the blood of the covenant by which He was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. That's capital S. That's the Holy Spirit. They've insulted the Spirit of grace. Verse 30 says, For we know Him who said, and he quotes from Psalms 94.1, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, he quotes from Deuteronomy 32.36, The Lord will judge His people. And then verse 31, It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It's a warning. It's caution. Gets our attention. Makes us realize God's serious. I want to read to you now two warnings that Jesus gave. One was the words of grace in 16.16. Jesus said, He or she who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he or she who does not believe will be condemned. I don't want to go back and read another strong warning because it relates to the Holy Spirit. I preached on this a few months back or weeks back. Matthew 12, verses 31 and 32. Jesus gave a very strong warning of how you treat the Holy Spirit. 
Therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or the age to come. This is a warning. It's a warning from God to be careful how we treat the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not going to go back and preach the whole sermon, but just remind you, if you're worried that you've blasphemed the Holy Spirit, you haven't. If you're concerned at all, then you still respect the fact that these warnings are serious. It's complete rejection of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us grace. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, is the one who is the Spirit of all truth. He will teach you all things. Well, if you reject Him, then you won't know truth. He is the one that will reveal Christ. Jesus said that in John. And so if you reject Him, then you reject the opportunity to repent. That's blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. It's not any sin that you've committed. You can be forgiven of anything that you've done in your life right now in this moment. You can ask God to forgive you. And if you earnestly repent of your sins, He'll forgive you. But if you reject the Holy Spirit's conviction to repent, or if you reject truth, then you're rejecting the Spirit of God. That can't be forgiven. This is a warning. Warning signs are all around us. We've got them up and down Megan Boulevard. We know that there are sirens that will go off. There's a tornado warning. can't remember if I've told you all this before. Of course, we know the horrible tornado that came through uh, five years ago or so. Most of us know that came across Alabama probably know where we were that afternoon, what all was going on. I was in a tornado years ago. I was about 14, 15 years old. We were at Camp Cyber, where Etowah High School is. I played at Etowah, and we were playing baseball. We were out on the baseball field. Most of the fans had not gotten there yet. It's the field that's still right there on Highway 77, Camp Cyber. Alarms are going off. All the coaches tell all of the ball players to get out of the baseball dugouts, and we laid in ditches. We knew there were things flying over our head. We could see the big poles with the lights on them swaying back and forth. It tore down one of the dugouts, ripped the top off of it. And over behind the ditch where we were in, we were laying in the ditch that Miss Wade was inside the concession stand. It ripped the top off of the concession stand. We could hear her screaming on the inside because when it lifted the roof off, it pulled all the wires loose. Sparks were flying everywhere. We could hear her screaming. And we were laying in that ditch. One of my teammates, Robert Smith, began to confess out loud every sin that he had committed laying in that ditch. He began to repent, call out to God. He promised, made a lot of promises laying in that ditch. Now, some of us, other guys, we might have been making some promises, but he was doing it all out loud. God, I'll never cuss. I won't smile. You know, he was naming everything and naming his sins. And, of course, the tornado went over. No one was hurt. The lady was scared to death, but she was fine. So no one was hurt. And, of course, it didn't take long for us 14, 15-year-old guys began to rag old Robert about, hey, buddy, because he let out a word. And we said, hey, you just promised you wouldn't say any of those words. Hey, that's not funny. I was scared, you know. The writer of Hebrews gives us several warnings here. God places warnings throughout the Bible. We know that. If we know anything about the Bible, we know He does. And it's not just in the Old Testament. It's one of the reasons I, I read the warnings from Jesus. Jesus gave warnings and he spoke of impending judgment. In fact, he spoke more about judgment than he did about heaven. And he also, as we looked last week, about his second coming. He will come again. He won't be to die for sins. That's what Hebrews was telling us. When he comes back the second time, it's not to forgive us of our sins, but it's for final judgment. 
Many pastors do not like to preach on judgment. I don't necessarily enjoy it, but I know it's the balance of Scripture. But the prophets of Scripture, including Jesus, heavily emphasize warnings about judgment and sin. And if we, preachers, but also those of us who are called to God, if we are to be faithful to our calling as Christ's followers, and if we care, if we care about others, we dare not shortchange Scripture message of judgment on individuals and upon nations. I emphasize verse 29. There are three do nots. Do not trample the Son of God underfoot. Do not count the blood of the covenant as a common thing. Sort of yawn about it. Don't count it as a common thing. And then the third do not. Do not insult the Spirit of grace. Be careful not to take the Holy Spirit of grace for granted. Chuck Colson wrote a book years ago called Dangerous Grace. I don't know if you've read it. But in, in that, the title Dangerous Grace, it's in other words, once you've tasted the grace of God, you need to treat it very carefully that God has extended grace to you and, and don't take it for granted. Therefore, it becomes a dangerous grace because now you're responsible for it. These warnings are relevant in every age, including ours. Stubborn, persistent, rebellious, deliberate rejection of the gospel of Jesus Christ is dangerous and it is eternally deadly, according to the Scriptures. And we'll see it today. If we reject the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, there is no other sacrifice for sins. The writer of Hebrews has been teaching us that Jesus has died once and for all. His sacrifice... And His blood fulfilled the covenant and brings atonement for those of us who believe. If we are not freed from sin, there's nothing to deliver us from the fearful expectation of judgment. God is a God of grace, but He's also a God of truth and a God of justice. As the Scripture says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God, but He is a living God. Therefore, because He's a living God, He intervenes. He intervenes into the affairs of we humans. Therefore, because of that, both His judgment and His grace, His mercy are real. I want to kind of go down a pig trail now. As I was studying this, I want to emphasize being careful of the warning of insulting the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. We insult the Spirit of grace. Jesus warns us in Matthew of rejecting the Holy Spirit. As I was studying this, I keyed in under on the computer the word reject, the word Holy Spirit, and began to look at Scriptures. And I came across one, and again in light of the movie that Atlanta and I just saw, War Room, and, and praying with the students at Gaston High School, and I had a burden this week of just this generation of what all they're facing, and then this Scripture really stood out to me. Now, our society as a whole, as America, uh, I realize a lot of times we don't want to hear passages like this. And what I'm about to share with you is not our only problem, but it's a major problem. And as you look at the warnings in Scripture throughout history, this problem has been a, pro- it's been a warning to nations. It has been a problem. And it is a major problem in our lifetime right now that many of our students face. It's in their face. Todd put that scripture up there, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read it very slowly. 
want you to see the connection between holiness, between sanctification, between the Holy Spirit, and sexual immorality. 1 Thessalonians 4, beginning in verse 3. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Well, who does the sanctifying work? It's the Holy Spirit. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Then he adds that you should abstain from sexual immorality. Abstain is a biblical word, and it's a good word. I'm going to come back to it, but it's okay to abstain from sexual immorality. In fact, that's what God wants us to do. Verse 4, that each of you should know, he's talking about sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his or her own vessel in sanctification and in honor, not in passion of lust. Lust is a very powerful tool of Satan. It's a very alluring lust. But like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother or sister in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he or she who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has given us His Holy Spirit. Paul is giving a warning here, and he ties in sexual immorality. He's referring back to some of the things that he wrote in 1 Corinthians. Flee sexual immorality. Run from it. Stay away from it. Do you not know that the temple, your temple is filled with God's Spirit? These two things should not be in your life. Sexual immorality. Abstain. Abstain. We live in a world that says experience and explore. And that's what our youth hear. But God says abstain. The biblical view is abstain. And abstain is not a bad word, but it's a word that is filled from God with wisdom, with love, with care, and with concern. My first year at Asbury Seminary, I took a class, first semester, called Pastoral Care and Counseling. I took that class right off the bat because this professor was going to retire, Dr. David Siemens, and I wanted to, I wanted to take that class from him. Pastoral care and counseling. We were a couple of weeks into the class and he shocked us one day, and I'm about to shock you with what he told us. He said, pastors, there are two subjects that will come up more in your pastoral counseling than any other two subjects. And here they are. God and sex. And that's... I, I thought, really? I mean... Now that I've worked with youth and been pastoring for over 30 years, I'm sad to say he was right. Now, it may not have come up just the SEX word, but somewhere behind a lot of the counseling is adultery, is fornication, sex before marriage, heterosexual sin, homosexual sin, rape, incest, sexual abuse. And a lot of times it may not even be brought up in the counseling, but you know that the background baggage of that person of what they're handling. Incest, sexual abuse, pornography, prostitution of, of everything imaginable. Somewhere in North Korea? No. Here. 
in the United States. And Dr. David Siemens was right. The horror of it and the lure of it and the lust of it. I thought about our students and what they face. And I just want to speak to you students, junior hires, elementary, the junior hires and senior hires. It's okay to wait. Abstain. Your parents might tell you experience and explore. Your preacher don't. Abstain. It's God's best. Just wait. I'm sorry that you're under attack from the world that is so blatantly in your face about it. I've spent some time just interceding and praying for you. You can abstain. You can wait. I memorized something many, many years ago. I was a teenager. Something that Billy Graham said, and I still memorize it to this day. I've written it out, but I want you to hear it. Nowhere does the Bible, I'm quoting Billy Graham, nowhere does the Bible say that the battle between the flesh and the Spirit is easy. It's not. Your parents and your grandparents will tell you it's not. Nowhere does the Bible say that the battle between the flesh and the Spirit is easy. Neither does the Bible teach that it, to be tempted is sin. It's not. But to fall into that temptation, then it can become sin. But temptation can come, and Satan does. But, I'm quoting now again Billy Graham, but the Bible does teach by precept and example that there are spiritual resources that we can use to overcome these illicit urges. Illicit just means not allowed or not permitted urges. They're spiritual. In other words, God will help us to overcome this. You don't have to fall into the temptation of it. But is it ruining in our nation? Yes, it is. And there's nothing new under the sun. I realize that. We don't even get into Genesis the 19th chapter before we humans have committed every sexual sin you can name. You can read them there. So It's not new, but in our society, it's got worse. And I'm afraid it's going to be one of our major downfalls. It already is. Let me get off of that. But I say that, pray for your children. Pray for your grandchildren. I've spent time praying over my eight-year-old granddaughter several times this week. God, just protect her. It's a problem. The sin that Hebrews speaks about, I'm going back to Hebrews. Overall, the sin here mentioned in Hebrews is final apostasy. When someone with a full and fixed will and resolution despise and reject Jesus Christ, the only Savior, and if they despise, resist, and reject the Holy Spirit, the only sanctifier. When a person despises, rejects, and waters down the truth of Scripture, the danger is that we begin down a path toward judgment. That's what he's warning us about. And Hebrews warns us, do not, do not cheapen the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the only way of salvation. And do not cheapen grace and words of eternal life. God warns us, be careful. Do I give you grace? Do I want to forgive you? Do I want to restore you? Do I want to redeem you? Do I want to wash you whiter than snows? The Lord says, yes, I do. But don't take that for granted. It is a gracious God who loves us. And who wants to forgive us. I close with this prayer. And I've done this here a lot lately as I've done these devotions. And so 
I want to pray this prayer from a personal note, but maybe you could pray it too. You can keep your eyes open, but Father God, I praise You for Your bountiful grace that You have given me through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Help me. Help me to never be presumptuous regarding Your grace. I thank You for the warnings in Your Word that remind me to humble myself before You. And Spirit of grace, Holy Spirit of grace, thank You for revealing the wonderful Gospel of Jesus Christ to me. And I hope you can pray that prayer. Let's pray together. Almighty and loving God, we praise You. God, we thank You for the warnings that You give in Scripture. Because I I need to hear them. And so do my brothers and sisters. So thank You for being so gracious to us. I do pray for our students who are bombarded not only with this sin, but with so many other things. Oh God, I pray for our students here at our church. Holy Spirit, I plead the blood of Jesus over them. Every one of them. May Your grace abound in their lives. May they trust You. May they look to You for grace and guidance and not the world. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts today as only You can. For we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.